0: Hello and welcome to The Top Story, a podcast with the headlines of the day, from our correspondents around the world. I am Siju. Coming up in this edition, police in the United States say one person was killed in a shooting at a Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. The 60th Munich Security Conference opens on Friday, with subjects like migration, the Ukraine crisis and climate change topping the agenda. And Indonesia's defense minister has declared victory in the presidential race. We begin in North America. The U.S. Super Bowl victory parade in the state of Missouri turned deadly after the gunfire broke out. One person was killed and 21 others were injured, including eight children. Police say three people have been taken into custody. Dan Williams has the latest from Kansas City, Missouri.
1: There are around a million people from all across the state uh, and all their fans from across the country here to just join together, a sense of unity behind this uh, amazing Super Bowl win. And then around two o'clock, while people were still on the stage uh, outside of Union Street Station, this of course is the area where this parade was coming to an end. While players were still on the stage, the mayor was still in attendance as well. These shots rang out and uh, really caused Uh, complete chaos and confusion following that uh, as well just to underline just the the scene of chaos that uh, followed as these shots were ringing out Uh, and many of those that were injured uh, following this mass shooting we understand injured because of the stampede as well so uh, just a underline just the sense of chaos that was here uh, when those uh, gunshots were being fired that's Dan Williams
0: on the shooting in Kansas City Staying in the U.S., the White House has lashed out at Republicans over the impeachment of President Joe Biden's top border official, calling the vote baseless. Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas became the first cabinet member to be impeached in almost 150 years. He was accused of failing the American people amid record levels of illegal border crossings as immigration shapes up to be a major issue in this year's elections. Nick Harper reports. Texas is
2: on the front line of the immigration fight, that fight playing out in Washington, with the House of Representatives voting to impeach the man in charge of Texas's border with Mexico. By just one vote, 214 to 213, Republicans, with their slim majority, on Tuesday night approved two articles of impeachment. They accused the Homeland Security Secretary, Alejandro Mayorkas, of weak policies that have allowed millions of migrants to illegally cross the border since President Joe Biden took office in 2021.
3: Finally, we've held Alejandro Mayorkas accountable for his willful and, and betrayal of the American people and breaking federal immigration laws, and I'm, I'm very grateful that we were able to get this done with a razor-thin majority.
2: The White House has accused Republicans of playing politics with national security. President Biden called the impeachment vote "petty political games," and there was similar anger at Wednesday's White House press briefing. History will not will not uh, look kindly on House Republicans for this blatant act of uh,
3: what we believe to be unconstitutional, unconstitutional bipartisanship. And so we believe that uh, what occurred last night is is um, is baseless. It's shameful.
2: Part of the Democrats' fury revolves around Republican lawmakers killing a bill last week that could have strengthened border security. Proposals would have given powers to the president to close the border when crossings spiked. But under pressure from former President Donald Trump, the party moved to vote down the bill. Trump and senior Republicans feared that by approving the motion, it would have given the Biden administration a win on immigration ahead of November's presidential election. That failure to pass the bill now means there's a $700 million budget shortfall for the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, the largest deficit it's ever faced. Officials are now reportedly working up plans to release thousands of migrants, as the agency will be forced to cut detention capacity by more than 40 per cent, and that will exacerbate immigration problems, likely fueling more criticism from Republicans, although a group of House Republicans say it is now working up a new border proposal. As for Mayorkas' impeachment, that matter now moves to the Senate for a trial. But with the Democrats holding the majority there, it's highly unlikely that they'll vote to oust the Secretary from his position.
0: That was Nick Harper on the disputes over the impeachment of the US Homeland Security Secretary. Turning to Europe, the 60th Munich Security Conference opens on Friday. Global leaders, government officials, experts and private entities will discuss present defense and security issues. Subjects like migration, the Ukraine crisis and climate change will top the agenda. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi will be in Munich for the conference where he will deliver a speech. An official statement says Wang will elaborate on China's position on major international issues. Dong Xue brings us the expectations from Munich.
3: Titled Lose-Lose, this year's Munich Security Conference report claims that everyone is losing out in the current global situation. With the ongoing conflict in Ukraine, the growing threat of mass migration and radical Islamic terrorism now top the list of threats for Germany. This shift in priorities is expected to influence the discussions at the MSC 2024. The annual conference, dubbed as the Devils for Defense, will bring together leaders in politics, defense, and technology from over 100 countries this year. To foster inclusiveness, this year's conference will continue to place special emphasis on countries from the global south, including Latin America and Southeast Asia. Key attendees include U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris, Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken, German Chancellor Olaf Scholz, and many others. This year, Wang Yi is expected to present Beijing's position on international security issues, promoting the value of China's global security initiative as the fundamental solution to security challenges. The core mission of the MSC remains unchanged, to build peace through dialogue and strengthen the rule-based international order. Although there are plenty of leaders from Asia, Africa and Latin America, the vast majority participants are from the United States and Europe. Some welcome the fact that the Western alliance is using Munich to show a common purpose, while others worry that in the long term it might be ended up losing its identity. So will the West adapt its strategies in dealing with developing countries and foster new forms of international solidarity and cooperation? That will be on my watch this year.
0: That was Dong Xue on what we can expect from this year's Munich Security Conference. In the Middle East, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says his country will press ahead with an offensive against Hamas in Rafah, the last refuge for displaced Palestinians in southern Gaza. It's not indicated when the offensive will take place or where the hundreds of thousands of people now crammed into Rafah might go. Those displaced in Rafah are still hoping for a ceasefire agreement. Nor Harazin reports from Rafah.
4: Well, a small percentage of uh, the displaced people in Rafah do actually have the choice, do have the option of uh, going back to Middle Gaza if they were citizens of Middle Gaza, uh, cities like Der El Balah, Al Refugee Camp, Al Borej Refugee Camp. So they do have the option of going uh, there back to their homes, even though it is not uh, safe there either. But the majority, most of the people, most of the displaced people here in Rafah actually don't have that choice, don't have that option as most of the people, the displaced people in Rafah are actually from northern Gaza and the Israeli army has totally isolated northern Gaza from the rest of the Gaza Strip from middle and southern uh, Gaza so they actually do not have an option. The only thing that they uh, can do for now is just to stay here in Rafah and wait for something to happen. Actually, when talking to people here on the ground to displaced people, the first thing that they mentioned an expected truce and expected ceasefire. This is the only thing that actually Palestinians here in Gaza are hoping for and waiting for.
0: That was Noah Harazin on the latest situation in southern Gaza. In Asia, preliminary results from Indonesia's presidential election show a landslide victory for Defense Minister Prabowo Subianto. Prabowo ran in the 2014 and 2019 elections, losing both to President Joko Widodo. This year, he ran for president with Joko's son as his running mate, promising to continue Joko's legacy and a focus on creating a better future for the younger generation. Sukina Aluwalia reports. Third time's a charm for Prabowo
5: Subianto. Indonesia's defense minister emerged as the frontrunner in this year's presidential elections. Prabowo is leading with a significant majority in the early results, a moment that could redefine Indonesia's political path. The former army general has vowed to continue President Joko Widodo's legacy. This includes moving the capital city, developing infrastructure, and expanding employment opportunities. Indonesia's youth played a key role in this election. Half of the nation's 200 million voters were under 40 years old. And many experts say that is the reason why Prabowo secured this win. He embraced a modern campaign strategy, rebranding himself as somewhat of a grandfather figure to the younger generation. In addition to that, his running mate is President Widodo's son, Gibran Raka. Jokowi, as he is commonly known, is wildly popular. He's called the people's president, having come from humble beginnings.
0: Yeah, Gibran is uh, one of the things that makes me want to for Prabowo. Maybe if Prabowo choose another person, maybe I'm, I'm still hesitate. but Gibran is one of the best thing that Prabowo bring to this election for me.
5: The world is watching as Indonesia's economic and geopolitical landscape is shifting. This marks a new chapter for Indonesia, and Prabowo is confident that his presidency will lead the country to greater heights.
0: Sukina Alawalia in Jakarta on Indonesia's presidential election. Also in Asia, South Korea has established diplomatic relations with Cuba by exchanging official letters in New York. Cuba recognized the Republic of Korea, the official name of South Korea, in 1949, but formal exchanges had been cut off since Cuba's revolution in 1959. Jack Barton has more.
6: Yeah, it's very significant for South Korea under President Yoon. Uh, he's been trying to make South Korea more of a global player, or at least to launch it more onto the international stage, uh, saying that is befitting the size of its economy these days. And for Yoon and the previous administration of Moon Jae-in, because that's when the foreign minister first visited Cuba in 2016, uh, getting Cuba on board in terms of diplomatic relations has been seen as important. And according to the Yoon administration, it's important in building uh, closer ties with the Caribbean, with Latin America and with China. Uh, It's seen as having a a positive effect there as well. We don't know uh, what the trade details will be or how it will boost trade. Uh, We know they will be having further consultations to work towards building uh, permanent diplomatic missions in each country because at the moment it's just the uh, the initial agreement, but there's no ambassadorial presence in either country. But they're now going to walk, work towards that. We know before the pandemic, about 14,000 South Koreans were visiting Cuba every year. So uh, Seoul's saying they hope that diplomatic presence can see not only a boost in those numbers, but providing consular services for them while they're there. But it now makes, uh, you know, it's the only country other than Syria now in the United Nations uh, which uh, doesn't have diplomatic relations with the uh, South Korea. So it's, you know, one step forward in that agenda. And obviously, you know, this is a, a sensitive country. Cuba has long maintained very close relations with the DPRK. And it's why we're told the consultations went on with a degree of secrecy, as apparently Seoul didn't want them uh, sabotaged. So it's a bit of a surprise to many uh, that this has been announced without any preamble. But we're told that's the reason why, because there was a lot of secrecy around uh, these talks as they move forward with positive momentum.
0: That was Jack Barton on the significance of normalization of ties between South Korea and Cuba. Now, recapping the headlines, police in the United States say one person was killed in a shooting at the Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl parade. The 60th Munich Security Conference opens on Friday, with subjects like migration, the Ukraine crisis and climate change topping the agenda. And Indonesia's Defense Minister Prabowo Subianto has declared victory in the presidential race. And that's it for this edition of The Top Story, the podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Zhi. Thank you for listening.